0: Welcome to the HQ Podcast. I am your host and you are now listening to Relationships with Rob. Welcome back to another episode of the HQ. Do we have a super guest on here today? I can't wait to share this episode with you guys because it was definitely enlightening. It was on point in every aspect and I'm so glad Robert got to share with us his experiences and give us an amazing insight to his personal life as we get a little vulnerable and he lets us know how and where all this came into fruition. Robert Walls Jr., CEO of Coast to Coast Enterprises, which is the parent company to his baller gang clothing line, the Baller Mindset Book, which is coming out very soon, and the Coast to Coast Ballers Association, where he's just sweeping the nation with programs for athletes, both old and young, to come together and promote some positivity within that arena. Robert's got such an amazing story from growing up in the hood, Brownsville, Brooklyn, a really tough neighborhood in New York City, and he found an outlet there, and that was playing basketball. He quickly understood the politics of the game and with all that information, he's just launched something extremely special for the inner city youth himself and all the people around him in towns like Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Washington, New York, California, just to name a few. He is literally coast to coast. He's all about spreading positive vibes and letting that trickle down into the world because he believes we are all one race, the human race, and so he's definitely got my respect. I can't wait to get his brand out to the Canadians as he's definitely got an affinity for us up here. So we get into all of that on this episode. Make sure you tune in. Check the show notes so you can get to Robert. Connect with him on social media. Get involved with everything he's doing because he's just promoting that love all throughout the world. Alright, so before we get started, I just want to make one quick announcement. I am giving away a free ebook right now to any man who's down and out and just can't seem to pick up the pieces. I literally condensed my concept of the HQ into a very short ebook, where you can find the keys to your new life in there. So hit me up on social if you want me to send it to you. If you're part of the Facebook group, it's it's the pinned post in there. If you're on Instagram, the link is inside the bio. If you're on this podcast, it'll be in the show notes, all right? So download it, give it to a friend. If you don't need it, share it out because there's insights in there that just might brighten up his day and his world. All right. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The HQ. I have a really important guest with me here today. Uh, his name is Robert Walls Jr. He is the CEO of Coast to Coast Ballers. But we'll let him get into all of that. Robert, thank you so much for coming on, my man. And tell
1: us a little bit about yourself, bro. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robin, for having me on, um, on your podcast. You have a super awesome, epic podcast. I want to start by saying one of the reasons why I'm doing interviews now is because I want people to understand what my mission here is on this planet. And my mission here is to protect myself, my family, um, and that's my number one priority. And when I say family, though, I'm talking about my human family. I'm talking about the um, all the living organisms on this planet, and I'm talking about all everything, the the whole energy family, because everything is energy. So anything with energy, I'm 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 here to protect that, because that is me. That's you. So that's what I'm here for.
0: I love that, bro. And we're and we're gonna feed off of that energy in this podcast too. Yes, so, you know, I love the vibes that we already had going on, and and I'm I'm thankful for Olga actually for connecting the two of us. You know, we're. In two totally different regions of the world, but then we can come together like this and express this energy and this love for the human race together. You know, via the internet, which is so crazy, right? So, thank you,
1: Olga, for that experience, uh, for the opportunity to do that. Actually, yes, we're very yeah. to get on yes, this call. Let's, yes. Let's talk about that for a second, Robin, because you said that we're we're in opposite places, right? And you, my you, my Canadian brother, right? And um, I just want to give a shout out to your fellow Canadian, Drake, who's at number one right now. Yeah, and I think there's a secret energy that's going on right now that people don't recognize. Let me shed light on that, too. Right? He's number one right now. So he's got a lot of people on the frequency of his album, Scorpion. Right? But there's a song that's trending right now that they did a challenge for called In My Feelings. And the, the first part of that um, song is, Do You Love Me? Right? And they do this. Right? So he's got everybody on that frequency. And that's what we're talking about right now. This, those are the solutions to what we're about to talk about the problem that we have in, in divorce and you know, in, with um, relationships. So we're right where we're supposed to be right now. And yes. so shout out to Drake for having the number one album and that song. And we're just going to ride that wave. For sure.
0: Everyone is pumping that song down the streets. Everyone's uh, playing it on their phones. It's on everyone's like, stories. It's just it's going crazy. But yeah, shout out to Drake for sure. He's uh, definitely repping it for dot for time. Yeah. It is, it is. Um, so we'll get into a uh, little bit about your story, man. Let's talk all about right. Coast to Coast Ballers. Kind of how, how did that all
1: get together? Like, how did all that start, To uh, you know? like What was the, what was the yeah. message Yeah, problem? I mean, you know, it's so crazy because all of this stuff connects. Like, everything connects to, well, all positive things connects to love, right? So, it, Coast to Coast Ballers um, was created because I love myself. Right? So, growing up in New York, basketball is big time, right? Like, to, for me, basketball was do or die. Like they said, best eyes, do or die. And, you know, when, when Biggie was live and all that stuff. But basketball was do or die for us. You know, it was like, it was like I was in the army or something, and, you know, we were soldiers and stuff. Like, it was literally, literally too, like, it was life or death. Like, if we would beat another team from a different project or um, a different borough in New York, because there's five boroughs in New York, um, the people in that community, community would literally want to kill us. I got stories. As a team, you know, grown-up adults and kids my age, you know, wanting to harm us because we was winning, you know, in basketball tournaments. So so basically, the love for myself was what made me create Coast to Coast Ballers because, you know, growing up, there's so much competitiveness and competition. It was amongst my teammates. I was on traveling teams. Even though we was winning and winning championships in the summer and stuff like that, they still would come at me. They still would say negative things about me or – try to make me believe in my mind that my game isn't what it is, even though I'm out here scoring 30 or we're beating other teams, but they still was like trying to make me believe negative things about myself. So I had to, I had to, I had to set my mind, which is, you know, something we will get into. but I had to say, Hey, also what somebody else outside of me is saying, I'm putting in the work. I'm training myself. My coaches are training me. I'm a baller, right? And I can't let nobody tell me I'm not. So that's what, where that came from. And then, um, so I mean, I can I can go to the beginning. Um, so you know, growing up in New York, I don't I didn't I didn't start playing basketball like right away like some kids now. Like kids are playing at like six, seven, eight now. I didn't really start playing seriously and training seriously until like 11, 12 years old, something like that. And my grandfather was uh, uh, all he was like a multi sport guy. He played he played baseball, basketball, and he boxed. So, um, he was really good. Um, I think he almost, I think he did get like a pro contact contract playing baseball. So he actually trained me. He gave me the fundamentals of all these different sports and, um, mostly basketball. We trained cause I took to that more. And he taught me the fundamentals of basketball. So he was my first trainer my f- first coach in that sense. And, um, you know, I, I trained really hard and I, and I took my basketball wherever I went and I got really good, you know, in that time, growing up in the 90s, I didn't really care about the camera thing. A lot of people do cameras everywhere they go and all that now. So I was just living my life, and I was going out there doing special things. I was, um, you know, like a baby Iverson out there. I was making people fall with my handles. You know, people know me for having a really killer, a killer crossover. And if you speak to a guy from Brooklyn that seen me, and the people I went to high school with and all these different things, they'll know, they'll tell you, but we didn't really have too much film of it because wasn't, we wasn't thinking about filming it at the time. So the point I'm trying to make here is, um, as I, as I evolved and was getting better as a basketball player, um, you know, I didn't know the politics of what was going on as far as, um, you know, my dad, he was like more of a street guy. Um, but I give him credit. He, uh, he actually, uh, started working with some Italian guy. I think he was supposed to be my, my godfather, but they actually came together like, uh, like a joint business or something like that. And they started opening up stores in the hood where I'm from. Now, let me give you, I'm, I didn't even tell you where I'm from exactly. So where I'm from, I'm from Brownville, Brooklyn, right? Um, same place where the RZA is from. I'm hearing all these stories of, I'm um, related to the RZA. I am kind of, I mean, because he's related to old Dirty, old Dirty Um Bastis' um, mom and sister lives in Oregon where I'm at. I go to their house. Yeah, shout out to Wu-Tang, right? I love those guys but I had to do my own thing. I didn't want, I didn't even, I think this is like the first time I'm actually like really saying it. I think second time I'm really saying that, you know, they connected to me. I never really wanted people to me to say that I was connected to them because I was doing my own thing. But um, growing up in Brownsville, you know, Mike Tyson is from there. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, You know, Jay-Z, Biggie, they live not too far away before all the glitz and glamor and stuff like that. Growing up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, I didn't know the politics was going on because there's so many things going on. You got the crack thing going on. You had so many things going on. I was playing a lot of hood tournaments. I was playing AAU for Brooklyn, USA. Um, so when I got to high school, I didn't realize the politics. And I didn't realize that um, I had to be smart about what school I go to. I didn't know what I was getting into. I went to Paul Robeson and it was like the second best uh, high school in basketball in the city next to Lincoln. And um, Marbury was um, at Lincoln at the time. And we would we would go after we would we would play them in a championship game at Madison Garden almost every year, and when I stepped into that as a freshman, I didn't know we had superstars on our team already, which I already thought I was a superstar. So I didn't mind it. I loved the competition of it, but we had, it was so many of us. You know what I mean? So it was limited spots for you know for me. You know, so um, but it was a great experience. I played with some really great players. You know, so I'm not I'm not bitter. I just didn't know. Like I, if I would have known what I know now. I would have went to a different school and played against them where I would have been able to shine a little bit more. Right. So after high school, um, you know, there was some drama going on, you know, just like in any other project, people getting shot, you know, different type of thing. So, um, you know, my family, they wanted me to get away from that type of stuff and, you know, get, uh, you know, get into an environment where I could just focus on sports and playing basketball or whatever else I want to do. So I decided to um, come to the West coast. I I wound up, it's, it's interesting because Uh, in New York at the time, and I don't know if it's still that way. I got to figure that out because I haven't went back to my high school yet. But um, they they give out 40 credits to graduate. You had to pass eight tests to graduate in in Brooklyn. And and when I went to the West Coast, I noticed that I only needed 20 um, credits to graduate. So I already met mostly all the requirements to graduate on the West Coast when I came. And I still had my senior year to go. So um, I wound up going to uh, high school Shout out to Fort Vancouver Trappers. We was, tra- we was the Trappers. That's the name. You know, our gym was called the Trap, right? So I loved it because, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, we playing, you know, in, ba- in basketball tournaments, we loved the Trap. We trapped the whole game, We pressed the whole game. It was right up my alley. <laughs> yep. So long story short, after that, I went to um, a junior college called Treasure Valley, which is interesting, Treasure Valley. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking for my secret treasure, I guess, of knowledge, right, and, and playing basketball. So um, I went to Treasure Valley in Ontario, Oregon. And I only went for a year because I, uh, I injured myself. And there's some behind-the-scenes stories, too, with that, that can um, help people, that sports basketball players that, you know, can understand that. But that's for another time. So um, after that, I decided that I started learning a little bit more about politics, how did my coach treat me when I got injured and stuff like that. He treat me like I was an animal, like a horse. I got, you know, your horse, food, you know, they, they hurt their leg, and then they just don't care about them no more and stuff like that. So um, I recognized those things. And I said, you know what, I don't want to deal with politics as much anymore of, you know, playing basketball in college and trying to go to the NBA and stuff like that. So um, I took a break for like a year. And then I just started hanging out, you know, in Vancouver, Washington, and Portland, Oregon, with, you know, some of the people that I know, fam- friend, some, some of my family, some friends that I met in Portland. And I was in a rap group called Chop Squad, and we was like opening up for Too Short and uh, E-40, and we were just having a good time, right? But that's not really what I wanted to do. I was even surprised that I put myself in that situation because I was trying to not be a rapper. So many Brooklyn rappers already, I didn't want to get involved with that, right? But I did it just to have fun and stuff like that. And um, after that, I, I still had the love and passion for basketball. It didn't go away. So I started playing in, like, City League tournaments, stuff like that, and I still had it. Even though I was hurt and injured, I was winning scoring titles in those tournaments, and my team was winning championships and this a little bit of film out there for that, but we were being hated on. Like, the, the, the management of the leagues didn't want us to win. The, even the refs, even have, we have documents of the ref hating on me and hating on my team, saying we're not that good when we dominate and stuff like that. So I didn't want to deal with that, right? So I said to myself, one, one day I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I said to myself, man, what am I doing on the West Coast now? Like, you know, I didn't leave New York to not do anything, you know, especially I, I tried to do something special. And um, I said, you know what? You know, I should run my own league because if I run my own league, then I'll be in more control. And I'm not a person that doesn't like to be fair. That's one of the biggest things about me, right? I, I like the competition. I love it. I live for it. So I don't need to cheat to win. I need, I need that competition to, ch- to challenge myself. So if I ran the league, I knew I'll make it fair. That's how I felt about it. And that's when I came up with the name Coast to Coast Ballers because I felt like I was a baller I mean, I'm coast to coast, New York to the West Coast. It just made sense. So that's when I came off the league. And, you know, I had some success, man. I, I started it in 2004. Um, we made the local newspaper in the town, and I started it in in 2007. So, um, and in between that, I actually went back to college again to help a small junior college school um, called uh, uh, Clark College. I went there for a minute and met some cool basketball players there and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, man, I actually started my basketball tournament. And that's how – coast-to-coast bowlers was born, and then i you know as it grew and it got bigger and people uh, was liking what's going on i decided, man it's ha- i i gotta make it a business so that's when i came up with coast-to-coast bowlers enterprises and then coast-to-coast bowlers enterprises you know i have all these divisions underneath that now so i have a lot of stuff going <laughs> yeah, on this looks like it was a smooth transition for you, you made- yeah you- yes you-
0: yes grew up playing ball and then you were like you know i'm an athlete i, I love co- competition i just can't get away from the sport so it's like you know what i'm gonna create something that i really love doing and that i really love enjoy doing and let me spread that towards the nation because like you're you're obviously you're thinking on such a huge huge scale right so yeah and and i love love the whole concept we were talking about this earlier but you were talking about the baller gang and the baller mindset so let's talk a little bit about that awesome uh,
1: and how that uh you know translates to over to your business yeah so i had an aha moment right (laughs) i had an aha moment um I'm gonna, this is exclusive right now. I'm gonna give you this information that I didn't put out to the public because I was a little ashamed of it. It was a little some shame to it, right? But, you know, it is what it is, right? It's my life. It's my journey, right? So, um, after my, uh, uh, and this this goes into divorce too in relationships, right? So, um, around 2007, when I made the newspaper, um, it was a big deal for the small town that I was in. And at the time, uh, I don't want to give you a long spill, but I had met a girl um, that I had a kid with um, that's, uh, uh, that I met in Washington. Her family, um, her dad and her mom um, got a divorce. But her dad is, um, he's, he's actually a, a really successful businessman. He has companies in LA, New York, construction. Um, At the time, I think he was living in New Zealand when I first met her and stuff like that. So money wasn't an issue with them, And I came out of a situation where a lot of people around me didn't have money. So, you know, that was kind of new to me to be around so much money, right? Um, It kind of felt like the blind side. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but there was a movie about a football player that a white family took in and they, um, you know, they had all this wealth and they had all this um, resources and they were trying to help him, you know, do his thing. So that's what that, that kind of reminded me of when I met her and her family, and they kind of like took me in and stuff like that. But once I decided when they took me in that um, I wanted to do my own thing, and um, I was working in sales, and I was doing really well, and then I um, started galvanizing my own team, and uh, they flew me to California, and they wanted me to start my own office in a place called Tri-Cities. I got a little pushback from my family and was like, hey, wait a minute. He's going to, you know, the girl that I was talking to was like, he might leave me or you know, she wanted, she wanted me to be closer, so she didn't want me to do that. Um, and then she wound up getting pregnant with my son. Um, and there was a lot of drama behind that. Like, she didn't tell me that she was pregnant. And, um, you know, and I had experiences in college my first year when I went to play basketball with my girlfriend maybe getting pregnant. So we went through the process, you know, pregnancy tests, you know, uh, going to see a doctor and stuff like that. I didn't do any of that with this girl that I was actually living with. So I actually, got the, I actually got the information that she was pregnant from a, um, from a, a, a message on her phone, on a house phone, from her sister congratulating on her on being pregnant. So it was clear she didn't tell me from the beginning what was going on, right? So I guess maybe she thought, she didn't tell me, so maybe she thought she was trying to keep me or she just wanted to have my baby. I don't know what the situation was. But she had a baby boy. Who can't not be happy with that, right? So she was having a boy. So I was excited about having a son, right? but I still had to be smart and careful about what I'm doing now. I'll start looking at that in a different lens now. So I started trying to, to take control of the situation, you know, because her mom, you know, she, she had a bunch of money from the divorce that she got from her husband because he was really wealthy, um, you know, millions of dollars. So I was paying for everything, cars, places. So once that happened that way, and I didn't see they had my best interest in heart, I decided to step out of that and to tell the, her family, hey, I want to pay for everything. I'm going to put us... We're having a son. I want to put us, I want to be the man in that situation. I want to put us in, in our own place that I'm paying for, my name and all that stuff. And I did those things. And that was probably one of the biggest things that I did because once I started evolving and I, I actually switched gears, I actually, you know, what happened too is i like to tell this story. Um, she called my moms in New York. and She told my moms that I should quit the job that I was doing um, in sales because I'd be moving around too much and I wasn't making, quote unquote, that much money which didn't make any sense because her family had money, right? But that's what she said. And she said that I need to take care of my kid. That's coming. So she told my mom that I need to take a different job, a more stable job. And she actually referenced that maybe if I had to work at McDonald's, which is funny, right? McDonald's, then that's what I would need to do. Now, mind you, I mean, growing up, I didn't tell you this part, but growing up when I was in, uh, uh, you know, public school, all the way to high school to college, I was in some of the top classes. Like, I wasn't a dumb guy. So, you know... I didn't tell nobody because, you know, at that time they didn't really, you know, um, shine a light on people that were smart, you know. So, um, but i always been, you know, I guess quote unquote smart in the eyes of that or whatever in school, in that school system. So um, for her to like try to take me back and say that I need to work at McDonald's when I'm in sales and I'm wearing a suit, you know, and all these different things, I, I, I thought that was a red flag. So I said to myself, I said, okay, cool. I have to do my own thing. I have to, I'm going to compromise with them. I quit that job to make them happy, but I didn't take no McDonald's job, right? I took a job, a manly job working in a warehouse doing a forklift operation job, but I wasn't happy. And that's when I had that, um, that revelation. I told you at three o'clock in the morning when I said, Hey, what am I doing? Like I had my son by then, you know what I mean? And so I started my company, right? And I knew how to do it already. So it made sense. I was in sales, I know how to do all these different things. So I started and I got successful. And instead of um, me getting praise from her for being successful, we was having problems. And she wanted to leave, like, after I had success, you know, and now we was gaining steam and I was getting popular in that town and I was in even more so than ever, but she still wanted to leave. And I'm not a forceful person, so I was like, okay, cool, you leave. That might help our situation because I've been at her family's house, I you know me, Right. So I thought, you know, we'll still be a family, but just not together, you know, but it wasn't that way. What happened was um, after I made the newspaper um, in 2007, I was telling you for my basketball league, she wound up calling the cops on me and um, getting me arrested. Um, And this is a predominantly so-called, quote unquote, Caucasian town. So, you know, I already know I'm not a dumb person. You know, there's no tolerance for that. You know, you got the OJ story that's, you know you know, everybody knows about, so I don't want no problems like that, right? So, but you know, I got arrested and all these things and that slowed down my business, you know? At the time too, I was I was doing a side job where I was working with kids with disability, autism, cerebral palsy. So I had, so luckily my company let me still work until, you know, the case was over, but that could have jeopardized that too, right? So fast forward, I had to shut everything down and fight that case, right? And I wound up, you know, getting found not guilty, right? But we're still separated, and my family is in limbo. It wasn't a divorce, because we didn't get married, but we wound up having two kids together. And, you know, you know, and it's funny, too, with my, my second kid, because I named my daughter Brooklyn after where I'm from, and we had Brooklyn around the same time we were separated, because we didn't actually separate right away, and we were still staying together. So we was, like, you know, doing things here and there or whatever, and she wound up being pregnant. But she told me she still wanted to separate, even though she's pregnant. So, you know... That's what we did. But for whatever reason, we didn't, we didn't mend those situations and it was still negative. And, you know, it was like, a, you know, a divorce, you know. So, so, so with, all that, with all that, so with me getting in trouble with the law and stuff like that, it gave me time to think, right? And when I, when I got time to think and I was going through all these situations and even more legal situations after that, um, because of that, um, whether it was family court and all these different things, it allowed me to, to start thinking of new ways to reinvent myself. So that's when I came up with another division of Coast to Coast Ballers Enterprises, which I called Baller Game Global, which um, I decided to, um, to, what is it, trademark and patent baller game clothing so I can actually sell the clothes without somebody you know, trying to use it too. Because I knew eventually somebody was gonna try to use it. And stuff, and there are people using it, it's a guy in China using it, and I don't really have it patented in China, so I gotta work on that in a different situation. But um, so long story short, yeah, um, baller gang is what, um, what I'm trying to do with that is I'm trying to um, uh, uh, start this movement, which, which we have baller gang members all over the place. You know, I could name a bunch of cities and people overseas. But what I'm trying to do is I want people to see that we're all one big gang. We're all one big baller. Shout out to Big Baller Brand, right? So we're all one big baller, all of us. We're all one big gang. But this gang is a 100% positive gang. And I like to say, as the motto, we're the only 100% positive gang on the planet, right? And we all have, you know, um, people in our family that play sports um, that we support, and that's what it is. So we're we going to support them. We support everybody else, too, which puts us all in that realm of we all one big baller gang. And the baller, and, and, it's, and it's crazy because I had that re- revelation. I said to myself, wow, I didn't know how to articulate it, but I was doing all this stuff before I can tell you what I was doing. I had this mindset this baller mindset, right? And I'm, my company has got baller in it. You know, you, know, I all, you know, I had the mindset of you know, what athletes have and I recognized that we, we actually have the blueprint to how to be successful in life in all areas. We just do it just on the sports field. So I said to myself, wow, if, if I, we can incorporate the baller mindset that I coined uh, into everything that we do, then we can shift the balance of all this negativity. That we're getting in the world where people start being more positive, more loving to themselves, which trickles to, to other people and believing that they can win because we don't believe you can win. You can say it out your mouth, but in your mind, if you don't believe it, it's still going to manifest that way. Right. It's still going to come off like, you know, it's not real. But if you actually really have the mindset, the ball of mindset that you believe that you're a winner, you're training, you're practicing, you're doing what you need to do and whatever field you in to do that, then that's what's going to happen. And I call that the baller effect. The baller effect is gonna happen. So that's where that comes from with the baller gang stuff, and then the um, uh, the baller mindset. I'm actually working on the baller mindset book right now, so I'm excited about that. Yo, let us know when that
0: comes out for sure. We'll I'll definitely keep up with that, man. Ready yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when it
1: drops.
0: Yeah, man, that's awesome, bro. Um, so yeah, it, it's just amazing when I when I hear your story. And all your journey and your experiences like i can relate so much to all of that man like yes. i can i can totally feel all of what you went through and it's just crazy how similar our, our paths were just we were in different you know in just different uh realms and area eras and stuff like that but i mean okay just going back though um mm-hmm. you know what is that what does that main relationship taught you like what are two key points um you know how does that how does that affect the baller mindset and like how do like one or two key points to
1: highlight um what you learned from that relationship you have with that. Uh, like- yeah. Yeah. i touched, i, I, touch, I touch on that. So I'm starting to realize with dealing with her is that, you know, it all pulls back to of how you was raised. Right. Because they say that when you were a kid and when you're young at certain ages and stages of your, of your growth, you start learning patterns of behavior that dictates how you're going to be in the, in the future. So, you know, her, her situation in her mind goes way beyond, you know, when we met It's past that. And it's funny because I actually knew this and didn't articulate it because I was a kid too when I was in New York. I had, this, I had this awareness when I was a young teenager. And from this standpoint, like I said, my dad was, you know, a street guy. And he had like six brothers. And it was really tough. You know, I think my dad's brother, God bless the, um, the dead, I want to honor him too, my uncle, my uncle Daryl, my uncle Blue. He passed away, um, you know, early, I think early 50s. But he was really um, popular in Brooklyn, and he was a street guy. He actually ran with Mike Tyson when he was younger, you know, when they were doing, like, bad stuff, though, that like, bombing people and stuff like that. But um, my, my family, they was, they was really um, respected in Brooklyn. And I didn't have to worry about anything because they didn't want to come with my family, right? So um, I had room to do whatever I wanted to do. I could go outside and not get barbated and stuff like that. So I was able to see things that other people didn't see because they was on alert of what, what else was going on around them. So um, what I recognized, though, was that if, if I treat people good, it trickles. It, when, you know, when, when I was, like, being nice to people that, you know, in some people's eyes didn't even deserve to talk to me because I was more popular or whatever, um, I saw the effect of it, right? So I always looked at it like, wow, if, if, you know, if I say something good to this old lady right here, she'll take it home. And then she'll say something good to whoever she's in the house with. And then that trickles to the, to, you know, to whoever they talk to It spreads just like the negative stuff spreads, you know? So I was aware of that. I just didn't really understand it then. So as you go all the way back, right, to my kid's mom and, you know, everything that's going on right now, I said to myself, wow, um, you know, I have a daughter now, my daughter Brooklyn, and I want her to be safe, right? So in order for her to be safe, everybody's mindset has to be okay. Everybody can't, everybody, not, you know, everybody can't, I mean, I would like to think that everybody can be okay, but, you know, it takes people stages to get to certain areas, so not everybody might get there at the same time, but the more people get to a positive state of mind, then we don't have to worry about nobody getting hurt or somebody hurting your kids because we're all on the same frequency, so that's what I've been focusing on trying to get everybody on that same frequency. And shout out to Drake again, because that's where he got a lot of people on right now. You know, that's that that don't, don't, you don't have to beef. You don't have to go into the negative side of things. You can, you can go right into, you know, talking about, you know, the loving side of things and how you feel. And then also too, the thing about divorce and stuff. He was talking about that on the album, right? And one thing that he's doing that, that a lot of people are maybe copying or recognize that the the, the paradigm has shifted, they used to brainwash us and program us to think that men has to be uh, manly all the time and tough and all that stuff. But We we have that side, but we also have the feminine side. We have the um, emotional side where we can talk about our feelings, and he does that at a level at number one. And you can't deny that now because he's at the number one spot, so you have to deal with it. You know, before, people that was like that, that wasn't the number one spot, you just ignored it and stayed on that negative energy frequency. But they have to vibrate higher now because Drake is number one. He's he's putting it in your face. So he's he's putting men on notice. It's okay to be emotional, to be upset like he has in one of his songs. You know what I mean? Because, you know, a lot of guys shy away from that and think they have to be tough all the time yeah man the toxic masculinity
0: is like definitely a topic that people talk about now just you know yeah now that you're shedding light on it right now i mean i go through a lot of that in my group too i mean the group i have is like you know 12 over 1200 members and i only hear about a third of their stories i mean i wonder why that is and i think it's all because we, we are, are told not to feel it all out and we mm-hmm. are told not to you know have emotions and not spew it out and not you know be honest and vulnerable with our true selves so I'm loving the topics that we're, we're touching upon. It seems like you learned a lot from that relationship and everything that you've been through. So um, I want to do uh, just a little segue right now, because I know you're doing so much for the, the population right now. And I want to yes. just touch upon that because I really dig what you're doing, man. And, I, and I've done a little bit of research on you too. So I know you help little young boys and girls in the, in, in other areas with these programs. So let's talk about that. And, you know, kind of like where,
1: uh, whereabouts are you doing all this? And, and okay. how, can, how can people get involved? All right, so right now, um, I'm working with a company called, uh, or, uh, I'm working with a couple companies, but the main one right now is, um, um, I think it's a, a nonprofit called Flash Love. And um, I've been working with high school kids in the community with them. And we've been like cleaning up gang graffiti in certain areas that people are afraid to touch. And we're, we're cleaning it out, we're, we did that. Um, there was a big story on that. Um, I did a couple of um, events where we brought a lot of men in the community together because there's a lack of male um, strong figures in communities and in Washington as well, where I'm, where I'm working at right now. Um, so I did that. That was awesome. There was a lot of men who came out that wanted to step up. That was awesome to see. And that needs to be told. So thank you for saying that because it lets me tell that story. You know, that story don't be told that much. They always give you all these negative stories. But there are men out there that's wanting to step up and do the right things for the community and not just their own kids, other kids as well that, that, you know, that's not theirs. And really my mindset is we're all, like everybody's my kid. Even growing up in New York when I was a kid, in a small way, li- you know, living in these hoods, the, the elders at the time, they would look at it like we was a tribe. They would they would parent us too. You know, they would tell us, you know, hey, you can't do that even if it wasn't our parent. You know what I mean? So that's the mindset that we gotta have. You know, the one gang mindset, the one, um one big baller mindset the, the one family race family um, living you know because also too let me touch on this you know i'm not you know you know i'm i'm from the hood you know i've seen people die so i'm a little desensitized you know from you know seeing stuff like that but you know i'm really into like you know not treating animals bad because they're alive right they're living like anything that's living just let them live because we're, we should be ashamed of ourselves as a species because we got so much information and knowledge and we're so powerful as humans. I mean, they say our brains is the most, um, and the most intelligent thing out there, right? They can't even scale how powerful our brains are. So if we have all of this information and we have the only thing that we can do and we're at the point where we're like the real life Jetsons, we don't need to be, you know, slaughtering animals or you know what I mean, doing all this crazy stuff. We can just pretty much eat the stuff that's gonna make us, you know, the high, higher self, you know, because we eat meat and some a lot of the meat doesn't even help us, you know, with our, in our with our bodies make us overweight or you know it does gives us diabetes and all these different things. We don't need to do that. We're too advanced right now. Yeah. So no, I'm passionate I about do. that too. I hear you, bro. On every front, there, man. Yep. So, oh, and then last but not least, I, I mean I uh, I didn't know this, but Friday. I was in the newspaper in, in Clackamas, Oregon, they did a story about this kid named Allen that's a multi-sport um, um, player, a sports player in um, Clackamas High School. And I worked with him one time, and he was awesome to work with. You know, One thing I love when I'm working and training kids in sports is that they, um, they, they pay attention and they want the information. Because I can make it fun, but if I know that you, you, you understand that you need to learn something, I can teach you so much, and he was engaged. And um, he was so excited about what I, what I showed him and talked to him about, and, and how much fun we had. Um, they actually did an article in the newspaper about his excitement, and he talked about it, and they put it in, in the newspaper article. So I just seen that the other day. That was pretty cool. I'll post that link in the show notes, too. Uh, and, awesome. Uh, and any one that you got,
0: man, yeah. Like, I want to I wanna get people to, uh, you know, get on board with your vision because, like, it's, it's a huge, huge vision. And what you're doing is just – it's freaking amazing. And so I run a, and a, I run a dad's group. And, like, I'm sure a, a lot of kids uh, out there are, are ballers themselves, whether they be athletes of uh, yes. different names, uh, not just basketball. Not whether just- they are athletes in general. Yes, uh, you know, this This is just such a great program to get involved in, especially if, like, you're a dad and you're
1: wondering what you want to get your son or your daughter involved in. Like, mm-hmm. this, this is the movement right here. And, 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 and let me speak on that, Robin, because it's the ball of mindset is whatever you love doing. So I'll, if a kid loves to play chess, that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to make him a baller or her a baller in that. So we, we have to engage. We have to let – kids come into the conversation and not dictate what they want to do if you know my son plays video games and you know a lot of a lot of people put pressure on him to be a basketball player he can do that too but he loves playing Fortnite, which a lot of kids do do, right (laughs) so i'm supporting that right like that's what he want to do you want to be a baller in Fortnite? you know i I tell all his friends i tell all the kids around me you ain't no baller if you don't play Fortnite. (laughs) (laughs) you know And then I don't want kids to get ahead of themselves, too, like, you know, with the big baller stuff. Like, if you're a baller in training, be that. Don't say you're a big baller when you didn't put in the 10,000 hours first. Mm -hmm. That's important. You know, we don't want to lie to ourselves out here.
0: Yeah, for sure. So how can people get a hold of you? Where are you mostly hanging out? I know you're active on all social media channels, but, like, uh, I know you're maxed
1: out on Facebook. So, like. Where, where, else can they, where else can they get a hold of you? All right. So I'm going to give you the rundown, right? So we have Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, um, YouTube, and what I'm leaving out. Did I say Twitter already? Yeah, we said
0: Facebook. So you're pretty much all on all channels. I'm going to get all those links, all those links in the show notes so you guys can get to Robert in one click and connect right. with him because I know he's doing some big things. Not right. only that, but I'll, I'll invite you inside uh, that group. We'll probably do a Facebook Live for our Jensen side so we can uh, you know, get a little bit more warm so that uh, they're aware of what's going on, man. Because like I, awesome. like I said, you're doing, you're doing this stuff from coast to coast. And so yes. man, it's just a perfect, perfect name. Man. Right. And let, let me give a
1: shout out to Barack Obama too, by the way, because he's following me on Twitter. And I want to also shout out my, uh, my Facebook page. I have a, a public figure entrepreneur page on Facebook. I think I'm at like 18,000 followers there. I should be at 100,000 because a lot of my peers got like 100,000. But we could, that's another story. But um, I'll do a lot of empowering and loving quotes on there. So if anybody wants to go there to get inspired, then they can do that too.
0: Nice, man. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes just so you wow. guys can
1: follow up, with, uh, follow up with you and stuff like that. So yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the website too, CoastToCoastBallers.com. Awesome. Um, you get some awesome. cool information on there too as well. Sweet man, yeah, we'll stay connected
0: and I'll follow up with you on that book uh when that book drops as well too because I, I want to read that for sure awesome Cause you, you got a lot of got you got a lot of information that I want to I want to get a hold of bro so um, awesome and right, I can't man. wait to connect with you in Canada
1: shout out yep. to Toronto my dude we're gonna I'm gonna
0: come up I'm gonna I'm gonna come out there too because I know uh, there's a lot of family out there in, in the Oregon and Port uh Portland oh New yeah so.
1: definitely
0: yeah yeah man all you right know, so one buying? last question all right so one last question before we end off this podcast um you know judging from everything that you've been in you know in your life every uh, you know all the trials and tribulations all the all the positives and the highs like if, if you could just sum up one piece of advice that you can give to somebody who's going through a hard time right now what would that one piece of advice that you would give him or her
1: um yeah it's the it's my biggest message right now man is that um we know more so now than ever and you can go on youtube to get the information, you can Google it. We know that everything is mine, more so than ever now. Everything happens in your mind first, right? So if people that's going through something can figure out a way to change their mindset on what they feel bad about, the, the I like to say the ball effect's gonna happen. You know, positive things are gonna start happening. Whatever you believe in your heart and your mind is what manifests in your reality. So if I can tell anybody, whether it's a kid or an adult, if they're going through something bad, it's gonna pass, especially if they put themselves in the right mindset.
0: Boom, man, I love it. That was awesome, man. Thanks for coming on the show, Robert.
1: Awesome, thank you, man. I appreciate it.
0: And there you have it, Robert Walls Jr. Make sure you guys connect with him over on social media and let him know what you guys thought of this episode, alright? And do the same for me. I'm over on Instagram. The show is now over. Rob, your host, signing off. Peace out.